This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Swansea has more McDonald's and clean sheets this season, so don't forget your Muck Nuggets are closer than you think with Muck Delivery. The only thing left to say is, you in? Order now in the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app are participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for further details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello everyone, welcome back to another Swans Cast podcast. Um, before we get into anything this week, just want to apologise, there was no podcast last week, but we are, well, not going through stuff, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the background for us all at the moment, so unfortunately we can't maintain the same output when it comes to content, but we're going to try our best to maximise what we can put out. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing really massively bad but just stuff that's busy outside of being able to create stuff in our own spare time so as soon as we're able to we'll get back to the full speed but we might have to bear with it a little a little bit for the next couple of weeks where there's a few less podcasts going out um just wanted to say that in advance because people might be wondering why it has slowed down the last couple of weeks um but yeah so this week though i have got lee back for i think first time in like a month and ben is here again to join us to chat all things Swansea City. So welcome back, lads. Well, thanks for having me. Good to be back. It's good to have you back and welcome back again, Ben. I know you were on the last one. Like two weeks ago, we spoke just before uh, the trip up to Hull, which was a positive result, of course. We need to discuss that result. There is one good thing to discuss, I guess, is a, is a way to spin it. But there's two more results since that we haven't been able to touch on yet, and that is heavy defeat against Leeds and not-so-heavy defeat against um, Ipswich, both strong opposition. And we've kind of got through this tough run of fixtures. Maybe, for me, I think, with the amount of points I perhaps expected, it's just not from the team I expected to get it from. Um, but it's, it's, it's always, when you look in advance, I guess it's not as scary as when you look after the, the fact and we're only four points above relegation so just a reminder since Luke Williams has come in there's been a draw against Birmingham away which I, I guess is, is a fine result uh, a loss to Southampton lost to Leicester we lost to Plymouth that's the one I thought maybe we should have won but then we went and beat Hull I probably would have said those two results I would have put the other way around uh, and then defeats to Leeds and Ipswich find ourselves now four points above the drop zone how are you both feeling about our current position? We'll talk about how we got there in a bit of detail in a second. But how are you both feeling right now about our current position? Leave we'll start with you. Uh, I I I am worried a little bit. 
but that's only just because of <clears throat> what I've seen. What I've seen at the moment, I haven't seen a great deal. I know we've had. I know we've had hard. I know we've had hard fixtures. But some of the performances have really worried me. I know, like on a good day, you can lose to you know you can lose the leads because they're gonna they're gonna beat everyone in the league and Southampton and etc. And even if switch this year, but I'm just I'm just a little bit worried, especially with the defending. And we're in this position now where we play all the teams below us, um, or in and around us, and uh, and they're all they're all going to be massive six pointers. And it's just it could go either way. Now I think I you know I think we've probably got enough to. To not get properly sucked in, but I don't know. I haven't seen anything yet that says that, that we will get out of it yet. So I, I don't know. I'm a bit worried. Ben, I mean, at first glance, it doesn't look ideal because <laughs> all, all of a sudden you're four points above the drop. But then when you add the context of how difficult our run of uh, games has been and how much easier our run of games will be in the next few weeks now, I sort of agree with Lee. I think we'll be fine. You just need another win now. I think it settles the nerves. And obviously, the table is quite tight still as well it's not as tight as it once was there is like more of like i think it's probably like three groups of teams nowadays um but no i think the teams below us it's a bit annoying qpr sheffield wednesday picking up a bit of form i think rotherham pretty much the only ones who are gone for me now everyone else a little bit above still in it yeah yeah rotherham have definitely tailed off having said that they give ips which we could go the other day but they just can't get any result over the line uh, unfortunately for them our form doesn't look too different dissimilar to them in the last five games just one win for us um and i think i agree with what you both said like if you asked me before luke williams run of fixtures up to this point the birmingham and the plymouth game are the ones i would have said we would have got points from a four point return um from his his time in the league so far the three points coming out hell as i already mentioned would you two have expected more before of all of these games from these teams that we lost to do you think we would get a win anywhere else or are you actually like probably got what we thought we would get but it is concerning when you see us where we are in the league it's probably yeah, what I we think. expected i think hull was the nice result of course i think we, when we previewed that game we said we'd be lucky to get you know a point yeah. out of both of those games plymouth was annoying ipswich was also annoying you know so there, were, there were instances where we could have picked up more points than we got and that's why i'm not too concerned yet whilst the performances haven't been spectacular i don't think they've warranted the run of form that we've been on either so it's just sort of waiting for it to catch back up of itself hopefully we get the luck we deserve yeah yeah i i uh, i was going to say the same thing i think um like you said if you swap the hull and the and the plymouth result is probably what we would what we would have been expected even if we um you know even if we were playing and maybe if we, even if we were playing in good form that's probably what we would have got um so my i don't know i don't want to put a dampener on it's just my concern is on hold at the minute until we play these teams because we did play birmingham and plymouth and got one point now we've got teams in that area i want to see us obviously pick up some points if we don't pick up points in the next couple of games then the concern will be even bigger so i think it's kind of on hold at the moment until we've got those fixtures out of the way the leads of the ipswich they're done now that's fine so let's just see what we can do now because these are these are going to be big games now they're going to be pressure games especially the ones in the next couple of weeks because we're looking over our shoulder um so yeah i'll just have just got to wait and see what uh what the next couple of performances bring yeah uh, i've been quite critical of uh some of luke williams's tactics so far just specifically when we're chatting on like WhatsApp and stuff like that. But when I've been on a couple of previews this week ahead of Sunderland, they're kind of asking me all these questions about 
relegation threat and are you worried about where you are and all that. And I do highlight the the form in comparison to the fixtures. I think he has come in at probably the worst time we could have got a new manager in regards to the teams he's had to face in his first eight matches or so. It, you can't you can't ask for worse. Literally, other than West Brom, who we played in the game before he came in, we've played all of the top six. <clears throat> so seven matches for Luke Williams, isn't it, uh, in the league? And then if you go back eight match sample, we have played all of the top six in the last eight matches. And we got, out of them, two wins, to be fair. So if you broke that up across the season and they, we didn't all come in one compact uh, together sort of um, sample... You probably take that in terms of like having a decent mid-table season where you beat in two of the top six, uh, but it's because they've all come together. It just gives you that bad feeling. Um, you got a lot of defeats all together. You're looking at the wrong end of the table, but I think it is important when you're looking at where we are, how he's embedded in the new system, and who they've been playing against, and to, to show the progression. So, for example, I've been very vocal about his defence and how we are setting up defensively, as you mentioned, Lee bit of a concern about our defending but if that if the same weaknesses in those areas translate to these games now against teams that are not in the top six are not fighting so hard for promotion and not the better teams in the league if they still cause the same problems to our defense then it's a massive issue but maybe the defensive issues were brought to a light because we were playing the better players so we just need to find that out now, going into these next few games. And I think that's where we're going to really see where we are. So it is difficult to kind of put a finger on how we are doing under Luke Williams because of these games. And I think he does need a bit of leniency on how we judge him because of the teams that we played against. But that has to stop now because, for a start, we're only four points above relegation and we don't have any of those teams left to play. So now it's a case of, right, you've got the hard fixtures out of the way. Hopefully you use that time to embed some good ideas and philosophy and tactics into the squad and they understand a lot more now how to deploy that going forward against teams who they are more capable of perhaps getting results, getting a bit of momentum, getting a bit of form so they can start moving up the table. I think maybe we will, but only time will tell. And obviously that starts with Sunderland away this week. Uh, which we will get to touch on a bit later on. But let's, before we get there, let's just discuss some of the performances that we've seen in the recent games. Now, we won't discuss at length each one individually, but I think it's good to touch on any positives we saw at our away trip to Hull because that was our only win. Um, so has either of you got anything you'd like to mention to begin with about um, what I thought was a really strong performance actually on the road up at Hull? Well, it was nice to see us on the right end of a creative set piece routine rather than on the receiving end for starters. Yeah, I mean, directly a week out, well, the game after we conceded one as well, wasn't it? Yeah, straight after Plymouth, straight after Whitaker scored against his old club, celebrated in the corner. I don't blame him for that, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, a clean sheet on the road against a top six side is a rarity under this sort of the tactical set that we have. I think to be fair, it's not something I think we'll see much this season or next season. Um, I, I don't really know. I, did you see much of the game? Either of you, it was away, it was a three yeah. o'clock. Uh, man, we man, well, I managed to watch a lot of the Hull game. So the goal was a very, very good goal. They, um, to be honest, if you look at Hull's form, Hull's form has been, they're on fire at the moment and that's the one result that stands out for them. Uh, 
in a sample size of six games, they've won five and they had one defeat and that was against us. So they could argue they had an off day, but it depends what perspective you want to put in it, doesn't it? Do we credit us for being on it and showing the merit of what Luke Williams is trying to bring? And that's where it's worked probably the best in terms of across the team for 90 minutes since he's been here, I would say. But we're not managing to do that enough, which is why we're struggling in other areas. But um, they didn't create, I don't think, an awful lot of good opportunities, Hull, in that game in comparison to the amount of opportunities we conceded against other teams. We looked a lot more solid. I don't necessarily think we created a whole load of other opportunities either, but we did like have have some, and the players were getting involved, and they were trying. There wasn't clear cut chances, but they were they were looking okay going forward. It's, it, I know it's hard to kind of say the two things, but um, the attack it doesn't worry me so much. Of the it doesn't look boring and static as it might have done at times before, but we're just not finishing and being as clinical and getting into them final areas where you can score a goal. But as you mentioned in this game, it was a well-worked uh, corner routine that we got the goal from. But the fact that we managed to hold on from that, I think, is credit to the squad and to the, the team that played on that day. But I don't think it really ever looked under threat, and I was surprised. I didn't think we'd get a clean sheet there. Lee, you saw quite a bit of the match as well, didn't you? <clears throat> yeah, I think... Um... How important is that result now as well in hindsight? Like looking at that one, it's really weird because in Hull's form column is that one loss and a couple of wins around it, and ours is kind of the opposite. So it's like that's championship football for you summed up. I think I think it's a bit of both. I think when I watch that game, you think how many times have we gone like down to the stadium and a team has done that to us where yeah. they've just kind of played the right game away from home. And, and t- not, I'm not saying that we had like a bit of a smash and grab win, but it was kind of the perfect way to play away in the championship outside of those like top top four, if you like, that are just a different kettle of fish. But when you go away in the championship and play these good these good teams like Hull, the West Broms, you know, Preston's, these sort of teams, that's kind of the way you set up. We were kind of solid. Um, we looked really good and um, we had some good counter attacks. I remember like Plaquetta I mean, like a really big like run on the bridge. Is that how you say his name? Place. Yeah, I am going to go with that, Paqueta. I do apologise. Yeah. Everyone in the court, we've been highlighted about pronunciation of, of names. We try our best, but when you're just chatting, sometimes it just slips your mind. Yeah, Honestly, like, sorry, but we, we we do try. Yeah, we'll go with that anyway. But um, but that, because that, that, it's a couple of weeks ago now, that just brings to mind about the performance, about how we looked like better on the transition away from home. So... Yeah, I think they think they've done all right. They, I think they've done enough to sort of ask Hull the question, like you know, if you have an off day, you're going to lose this game, and I think that's what they did. Um, so yeah, massive, massive win on the road that was, and yeah. desperately needed it. When you look at the stats as well, kind of backing up what I was just saying, we actually had more shots for them and more shots on target away from home. We didn't have more possession. I think the possession part of it is still developing. Um, that's, and that's, that's what I that's mean. Like, that's, a, that's your perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's your perfect away performance, isn't it? Kind of let them have the ball. And then but it, it wasn't like we were parking a bus either, though. I think it's no, no, to say. no, no, Because sometimes when you see forty-two percent possession, maybe it looks like that. But we had thirteen shots to their nine, five shots on target to their three. Um, is what I mean. It, it wasn't a case of we got a bit lucky or any of that. I think we deserved that win. Uh, I think they also felt. It was a fair result from what I heard from their fans as well. They were quite disappointed. They thought they had quite an off day. And we were bigging up all the talent they signed in January. Really didn't see much of it on the pitch, which 
lucky for us because the week yeah. a- the the game after I think I know Philogene didn't join in January, but he goes and scored a Rabona, didn't he, in the next game, which, oh, which yeah. obviously was plastered all over social media. So I mean, he bounced back. Uh, but yes, so very good performance for also, for the Swans. Just, sorry to jump in again. I just think uh, um, as well, if you look at all the results he decide, like we lost against Plymouth at home and then we'll come on to Leeds and Ipswich, which was after that. We are definitely a better team on the road than we are at home. Now yeah. we can come into that later on, but there's so many reasons for that. But we are just seem to be a better team on the road. And the way you know, they played really showed how that suits away from home. I saw a stat earlier, and correct me if I get it slightly wrong, Par, I'm doing it from memory because I haven't got it in front of me but I believe it was since I can't remember the exact date but sometime in September Swansea have not lost away from home against the team outside the top six which considering yeah, where we are in the league like that. that's quite quite an impressive stat and it just highlights how if you turn around your home form that's a solid base for a good season to not lose against a team away outside of the top six since September, which is basically a month into the season. Um, it shows that there's definitely something wrong at home. I guess Cardiff was the only one, is it? Um, Might well, be. that was Unless in September, that wasn't it? So it's probably since Cardiff then that start is. And that's a derby as well. So, you know, it's kind of flip a coin on that one. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, so I think Luke Williams' only points have come on the road, haven't they? So... Birmingham and Hull, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just think we're a better team away from home, especially at the moment. The way they, you know, again, no, we have had, we have had Southampton, Leeds, and Ipswich at home, so I kind of distorts that a little bit. But yeah, well, we'll see how we go. See how we go away on Saturday. Did you see much of Leeds, Ben? Unfortunately, <laughs> it it was like I understand how good the opposition was, but it was it was it was a bit embarrassing at times, and it? It, it felt like. We were in League Two, they were in the championship sort of thing. Yeah. I don't the buy this. I don't buy this so like it's Leeds are just another level of us as an excuse to get smashed four 0 at home though. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you said it because this this is this is where my concern is, is that I know that Leeds and Ipswich and Southampton are what they are, great, yeah, they're brilliant, they got all these players brilliant. But we were so like uncompetitive in those games, it was frightening. Like if if we were sat here and Leeds had beaten us eight nil, it wouldn't have been not deserved, you know. We couldn't have argued against it because yeah, we were absolutely torn apart. And I was like, oh, speak they those... trying, didn't they? They were so far. Well, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But I was going to say, how can you go speak these positives about our away win at Hull, who were like, what, one or two positions below Leeds in the league at the time? I think Leeds have gone into second place now, but they weren't when we played them. I think they were fourth or third, and Hull were either fifth or sixth. So, how can you speak all these positives about? Hull and the performance we've done there but then say when Leeds come to our stadium oh well we're nowhere near their class anyway now I know this this is a bit of a gap with points and Leeds and Hull but in terms of like they're both fighting for promotion they could be fighting each other in the playoffs and Hull could go and get a result against them if it was a playoff final a one-off game you know could happen if, if that's what it ends up being top six I just don't really think the gulf of the top two compared to 5th and 6th, is we're able to beat 5th and 6th 1-0 because we also beat West Brom when they were in that same position, 1-0. 
but actually, you know, we can't beat anyone that's like automatic contenders. They smash us four 0 but it's okay because they're just, you know, they're just better than us. I just, I just can't buy that argument. I don't think it's a, acceptable. What I would say, mind, is even the gap between Leeds and Southampton and Ipswich seems considerable. I realise that Ipswich are still third in the table, but obviously they had a spell in the middle where they fell off a bit. Leeds and Ipswich being on the same amount of points is mental to me. Ipswich, I feel like we probably deserved a point. Leeds, like we said, it could have been six, seven, eight. Like Leeds, in my opinion, probably looked like a Premier League team not far off. Ipswich, if you told me they were like eighth or ninth for the table, I didn't know who they were, I probably would have believed you. Yeah, and we yeah, went to on. Bournemouth recently and lost 5 0. Premier, that, actual that, Premier that, League. That could have been 10 as well. Yeah. So it's a theme here, and that wouldn't have been undeserved as well. Yeah, that... and, and I can tell you what the theme is, and it's the defensive line that Luke Williams is adamant he wants the team to play. And these teams who maybe are these teams that people consider, well, you know, they're Premier League quality, they're better than us, exploit it. And it's okay, fair enough. They they can see where we can be exploited and they have the players to do so. But we're kind of like sending them out to the wolves by continuing to do this with no adjustments. And time after time, Leicester did it as well. The first goal they scored completely exploited our high line. Um, Ipswich's first goal, to an extent, did it. Where Cabango came out of the defensive line and the ball got played around him and there's a massive gap. Maybe an element of luck with the with the way he came back and put a tackle in, but I think he needs to be a bit harder there, I'm not going to lie, like, and he's going for a free kick after it. But the damage is done when he comes out of the centre-back position and allows the ball just to be played in behind him. And every time that's happened, it's happened against all of those teams and Southampton, and they just run in through on goal from pretty much the halfway line. And that's happened so many times in the last couple of weeks that I find it quite infuriating, actually. Yeah, and it is worrying because like, you, you hit the nail on the head because, fair enough, if people want to write it off because of the opposition, but I, I think it translates into other and other games as well because when we went to Birmingham I know that was his first game but they could have scored they could, they could have scored three, three or four more time, yeah. E- yeah, easily and there were a few Plymouth was not so much at home but they they had a few chances where they were like there's there's chances that we concede where there's three players like clean through on goal yeah and All sometimes the they mess it up and it doesn't kind of reflect in the stats maybe but we give up so many good chances and that was against you know opposition that we should be beating um so that's my concern, is if that continues to translate into these games, then we are in big trouble. Do you have any comments on our defending against Leeds, Ben? Um, I think two early goals knocks the wind out of you. I don't think anybody, you know, the players included, wanted to be there after that. I think I understand why he wants to continue with that tactic, if I'm honest, because that is the way that we want to play long term. And I think he knows deep down we're probably not going to go down by playing that way now, so he may as well give it time to bed it in. Possibly naive, considering the opposition. they got people like Somerville and Nonto, you, you know, like pace to burn and, you know, yeah. technical ability. And, and James know. coming off the bench. Yeah, not, not like he even did anything in particular, mind, but, you know, the potential that he... He should have scored, shouldn't well. he? I'm sure he should yeah. have scored. He, he basically got run through as well. I, I, I think he was a bit lacklustre, if, if I'm honest. I, I, I sort of rate him on the right wing. Yeah, I know he's had a good season for them. But anyway, we're getting a bit away from the point. I think he knew we were losing the game, whatever. So he may as well try and continue playing the way you want to play. It don't really send a good message if you say, right, we're going to acknowledge they're better than us. So let's park the bus because we're never going to play well parking the bus either. May as well go for it. Yeah, but I don't the game necessarily think... the window inside 10 minutes when you go two goals down, don't it? 
I don't think he needs to park the bus. I just don't know if he needs to also play with your defensive line on the halfway line against a team that is completely going to blitz you for pace. The lack of capable right back really didn't help it either, mind. The first goal came, I can't remember if it was the first goal. Honestly, I've seen so many games with similar goals and see I'm trying to remember what one I'm even on about now. But there was one, it could have been Ipswich, could have been Leeds, but basically two men just standing on Norton. And obviously Norton there high up. He has Cabango next to him, who isn't the fastest either. Yeah. Norton was probably done by half time, if we're being honest. Like, this is my issue. It's like Cabango and Wood are a centre-back pairing. And when they're playing so high, if it does go in behind them, they ain't recovering. No. They are not getting back. And Quite a few times Wood does have to bail Cabango out. There's one thing I would say. Woods. Yeah, so he's anticipating that already and dropping yeah. back. But what I mean is, yeah. if, if it's play, like the Leicester goal, for example, where, um, what's his name? Who's that midfield? No, no, the oh, centre, no. the guy that scored the first goal for Leicester. Mine's gone blank. Dewsbury Hall, is it? Yeah, that's it. When Dewsbury Hall just ran straight through, nobody was getting back because of how flat our defensive line was on the halfway line. So they've all got to turn and then get up to speed and run to try and get back goal side. And they're not the quickest. You've got someone running through. He had all the time in the world to do what he wanted. But um, there was a few of them against Leeds in the first half. It was quite scary how often I that think, happened. Um, yeah, I think naive is the right word. I think I can't be too critical of uh, Williams just yet because it's still early doors. But it's quite similar to what you know. We had like we had complaints when Russell Martin was here. There was one way of playing, no matter what. Um, we were going to play that way. Sometimes I think it shows that you kind of not that good tactically because when you get these teams, like I guess anyone can say like do not play a high line against Leeds because that's exactly what's going to happen. So I think sometimes you you gotta have you gotta have a bit of a plan B depending on the opposition. I know you've got your way of playing and you want to you want to stamp that from minute one, but you've also got to recognise like the opposition if they've got talented players and you've got to adapt a little bit, haven't you? Like that game was over. Same in the Leicester game, they played the high line, they scored after two minutes, the game was over. Same with the Leeds game, we were two 0 down. Same with the Bournemouth game, we were one two 0 three 0 down at half time, game was over. We've got to stay yeah. in the game, especially away from home. We got to stay in the game. And the Ipswich game was a bit better in that they didn't perhaps do it so often. But their first goal was another example of it, and the second goal wasn't so much an example of that. But they still exploited the space with a ball over the top, and a little bit of defensive uh, fragility and positioning not being as good as it should be. I can't. I can't really work out who to. To sort of blame fully for Ips, which is equal. Uh, sorry, their second goal, the winning goal. I feel like maybe Ronald hasn't tracked back where he needs to. Norton has has one of the forwards, which I understand why he hasn't gone out wide to cover. But like, should Cabango be coming over to cover Norton so Norton can be freed up? Um, but then also when the ball is played in, Tymon is the one that loses the runner who ends up scoring. You know, we've been singing his praises for his attacking contributions, but he's still quite suspect defensively, I think. I with um yeah, with Hyman, I think um I don't know whether he's a bit unlucky because he's being asked to bomb forward and get those yeah. assists like he does and then he's having to like track back like pacey wingers and you can see sometimes he's absolutely dead on his feet sixty minutes yeah. when he's like trying to chase a winger back. So I don't know whether he is I don't know whether it's his defensive like frailties, should we say, or whether it's the system is kind of not protecting him. Um, yeah, but this is what I mean. So I'm not 100% sure who to No, same. This. I'm not sure. There's a couple yeah. of errors there, but I'm like, but are they actually doing the right job, what they're being asked to do, 
and that's just been exploited and the gaps are there because of what they've been tasked to set up like thing is at the minute as well time has been putting in some brilliant shifts up and down the flank as you yeah. said because yeah. Norton is basically our right back at the minute, he can't be overlap and he won't get back. So Timon is basically responsible for giving whoever's on the left wing, yeah. whether that be Ronald or Plajeta, I believe that's how you pronounce it, width or, you know, underlapping, what, what have you. I think the Ipswich goal is probably Ronald. I'm not really too harsh on him because he's the only thing that's exciting about us at the yeah. minute, if we're being honest. There's, there's a couple yeah. of things as well. Like, I think it was the Ipswich game. He rightly went to press a loose ball because it was an overhit pass back to Ipswich centre back there to go back and chase. He immediately got on the press, which was the correct decision. Everyone else, maybe that wasn't the trigger that he was meant to press on. The point being, it took everyone else on our team five seconds. By then, it's too late. Ipswich got organised. They played straight through us, went on the attack. There's a bit like of disjointedness between us at the minute. Yeah. You know, Maybe it's a language barrier with Ronald yeah, as well. I was going to say, like, there's a language barrier there, isn't there? And as, as exciting as he has been, I wonder what impact that can have when we're struggling a little bit, when you're trying to set up a new style as well. What I will say is he should have had a few assists by now. He's been let down by people in the middle. It's, yeah. it's, his delivery hasn't yeah. always been brilliant, but he has, there's been an occasional thing he's done. It's like you don't expect him to retain the ball. You don't expect him to get a quality delivery into the box, and he does. And how he hasn't really been rewarded for that, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think looking at it positively as well, like looking at it that way, I think... Like I quite like Plaquetta as well when he's come on. I think he's done all right, and Timon's done well going forward. And Ronald's looked good in every game that he's played. Um, we haven't we haven't got a goal scorer, have we? We just haven't got some. We haven't got someone, even someone coming in deep from midfield that can get on the end of these crosses, you know. But um, something that we're desperately lacking at the moment. Yeah. The, this, he's still trying to work out who to lead the line. Do you know what? I was actually quite happy to see Mikola come off the bench against Ipswich. I don't know what sort of impact he had. Can you tell us a little bit more, Lee? Uh, no, not really, to be honest. He can we come on. It's hard to judge because they come on at a time in the game, you know, when there's about like what, I can't remember what time it was exactly, but, you know, say 20, 63rd minute. Well, you know, there's what, like 25 minutes left. The game had changed a lot where... Ipswich hadn't, I wouldn't say they'd packed the bus, but obviously they dropped deeper being away from home. And there was just a lot of huffing and puffing, like balls into the box where he's he's throwing his body at it. And that's all he can really do. It's not, I don't really know how you can judge him on that on that game alone. He needs more time. Spell. He needs to start, I think. Yeah, I I, I think I, I would like to see him start. I think with the way that we play, with the way that, you know, Ronald, Ronald or Ronald, however you want to say it, that's another one. With the way that he sometimes creates space, especially in the first, like, 30 minutes of a game when he looks lively and he can deliver a ball in the box I think someone like um, Miko I'm not even going to try that one because I'll butcher it but uh, the way that he gets in there with a bit more physicality I think might, might suit us, it might be worth a go it might be worth a go because as much as I like Cullen, as much as I like Yates sometimes I think they're just bullied out of the box Mikola Kukarevich something like that Mikola Kukarevich, something like that yeah I have to disagree though with um, how he was used in the game. I gotta be honest. Like, I did feel bad for him. So we started the game just like remind everyone. It was four two three one. It was Ronald on the right wing and Patterson on the left wing. So Ronald Ronald being right footed, Patterson being right footed. That did actually allow us to get a lot of balls into the box, mainly through Ronald. Okay, so Ronald comes off. I believe not long after. Yeah, it was like seven minutes after. Kuhadrevich came on, and he came, uh, Plasheta came on, but he came on the right wing. 
So you've now got a position where you've got two inverted wingers, meaning you've got players cutting in to get under their favoured foot. We did not get anywhere near enough balls into the box because we had a six foot four striker up front in the yeah. first half when he was on the bench. It was ball after ball after ball yeah. coming into the box. Quality delivery, some of them as well. Nobody there with the prowess to actually get on the end of it. You bring someone with the prowess to get on the end of it on and the balls into the box just stop coming. It was bizarre. Like I know it's, I know it's like a simple thing that I'm saying, but some I, I, I don't know, maybe he overcomplicated it is what I'm saying. No, you are, you are right. I think... Um... At that point, it was kind of just like, not not desperation, but let's just chuck let's just chuck a few bodies in off the bench because we're losing to try and get something. And like you said, it just didn't like the the formula wasn't quite there because he yeah with the balls going in the box in the first half, Ipswich is centre half. Some I can't say one of them. Wolf Wolf and Dunn is it? Wolf and Dunn. He's like he's a bit of a unit, isn't he? And he was just eating up everything that was coming in in the box. And Burgess, they were just. You know, with Yates going to the middle, I know Yates scored, but he should have um, scored again, though, shouldn't he? Yeah, but they just they just ate that those crosses that the Ronald was chucking in, he was making space and chucking them in, they were just eating that for breakfast. It was so easy. And then, but like Ben said, if you had someone with a bit more physicality in there at that time, they might have been different. But there was a second chance for Yates in the second half where he threw himself at it but couldn't quite get contact. I think maybe he could have done a bit better with, but maybe that one goal he scored. We'll see if they can spur something out of him. We'll have to wait and see. But if it doesn't, I would like to see Mikola start. Because there has been a bit of discussion around him. And Luke Williams has been discussing him as well. Saying how he's been unlucky and all the rest of it. And he will have his chance. And Well, well, let's see. Let's see if he can bring some into the table. Because I know Cullen's got his defenders as well. And I don't dislike Cullen at all. But I think Yates and Cullen are quite similar in terms of mould. Not not saying they're the same sort of player, just you are looking at the physicality you were just mentioning about cross into the box. I just think the structure of Mikola is is different from the other two. And that's where we can might maybe operate a bit differently if we want to try a different way of attacking. Because obviously we're not the, the goals are not flying in at the moment. They're not being finished. The chances are create getting created. So if the chances are crosses, Cullen and Yates maybe Again, on the end of crosses is not, unless they're low crosses, is not their forte. Yeah, just touching on Cullen though, he got dropped back to the number ten position, or maybe just outside the number ten position against Epps, which He did really well. He did really, really well. Yeah. He was finding pockets of space to receive the ball, turning straight, playing it out to a winger. Simple stuff, but it's just not something that we're seeing. Like with Ollie Cooper's playing there, well, that's good. Probably something to see, you know, try again. Like to see yeah, because I do like Cullen, and it's good that he's got a place in the team. Maybe if leading the line isn't going to maximise him, I think him and like um, him and Kuharovic could work. Was it the game? Was it the game before? I think it was the Plymouth game where he's like he sort of dropped deeper a bit. I think he had the time he was playing up front, but he'd come deeper, and he cracked one from about twenty-five yards yeah. and hit the bar. I think, and I think he's like in that pocket of space, in and around, and he can make those runs in the box if he needs to. I think playing in that role would be great for him. He did it with Perot, didn't he? But he did a good link-up and um, they well, worked well together. It happened with Perot anyway, because Perot was kind of leading the line, but then he slowly sort of gradually came a little bit deeper, didn't he, to find more space. Um, but I mean, I mean, Cullen and Perot, they went through a stint last yeah, season they did, where yeah. they were playing together yeah. in the second half of the season. And you seem to get a bit more out of Cullen then being able to bounce off someone, whereas if he's isolated as the lone striker, maybe you don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think it's definitely worth a go anyway. Can't uh, you know, 
Yeah. It's, it's definitely worth a go with the amount of goals we're scoring at the moment. I don't see why not. So we have discussed some of the negatives, some of the positives, but I think it is good to kind of highlight in this little run of fixtures, as much as we did lose to Ipswich, the signs could be there that it can get better. I think the fundamental defensive stuff we spoke about, the jury's still out for me. We need to see that continue to improve against teams that we can beat. So if you're going to maintain this high line against teams that don't have as much of a clinical attack, you know, maybe it can work better. They can start learning more and get more confident and it will start clicking on. Um, or I wouldn't mind, like, I know he wants to keep the ball, but maybe he can adjust it if it's necessary to not be just as high. But I guess the high line kind of complements the pressing game that we want to use. But against Ipswich, the game was a lot more equal. The scoreline obviously wasn't in our favour, but we had uh, we actually had 59% of the ball against Ipswich. So kind of going in the right direction what we're after. 15 shots and three on target. They had 15 as well, but six on target. So the chances are coming. Maybe they're not the high quality chances we want to get them to be, uh, but the chances are coming. And, then, and I guess we already said the finishing and the clinicalness of our forwards is leaving a lot to be desired at the moment. And people like Ronald perhaps getting robbed of some assists definitely in the last couple of weeks. But now we're going away to Sunderland and we've got a, a run of fixtures that are definitely um, winnable that we need to be looking at trying to kind of lock up the table and down. So we've got a away trip to Sunderland, then we've got Blackburn at home, Watford away, Bristol City away and Cardiff at home before the international break. On paper, maybe you think, oh, there's still some tough games in there, but they're all in a part of the league that in reality we need to be eyeing victories against those teams. Um, so let's start at Sunderland. I don't know how much you've heard about the goings on up there this week, but there's been a little bit of drama, unfortunately, perhaps for us, because I was quite, I actually was quite optimistic going up there before everything this week had happened. Now I'm not as optimistic. So do you two know what's gone on down at Upper Sunderland? Well, it's been yet another managerial sack, and just before we play a team, um, yeah, it, it was it was some weird drama when there's like. A, Beal, who was the manager who got sacked, had a Twitter account not in his name where yeah. he was sort of like bigging himself up anonymously. So I do the pre-match videos, don't I? So if you haven't checked that out already, it is available on the channel. We have uh, What The Fark podcast um, with Graham, Graham Fark, who does that podcast. He's a journalist up in Sunderland. He does some journalist works for some of the other sports teams up there and a bit of Scottish football as well. But he's got his own channels. Go check it out. But he... Basically, he's got a decent presence on social media and in the journalism circles in the Sunderland area and a bit of a voice. And he was um, tweeting his disappointment, I guess, at the goings on at Sunderland. And Beal has been critical of him, I think, for a while because it's not really gone to plan. They've definitely gone backwards in terms of style of play under him. And I think just before the sack, you know, a couple of days before, this burner account, which I didn't know was a burner account at the time, was really heavily defending Beal. I can't remember the name of the account. I think it's been deleted since. Really heavily defending Beal against Graham. And I think he made a joke of quoting it and tweeting like, oh, look, I found Michael Beal's burner account as a joke. Little did he know at the time... <laughs> it actually was Michael Beale's burner account 
and he was all over Twitter defending the manager and shouting at fans and arguing with fans about who are vocal of of um, of Sunderland and how they've been and all the rest of it under Michael Beale. And he's literally there arguing with the fan base about himself, if you think about it, because this is his own account, which is kind of a weird... Imagine Michael Duff did that. That would be absolute carnage, wouldn't it? I mean, it's, it's, I do feel for the guy because obviously when you're a manager, you're not allowed to have that public opinion and defending yeah. yourself because the fans turn against you. Maybe a lot of managers do this and we don't know about it. That's one mad yeah. thing to think about. How often do you think a burner account gets found out randomly like that? Um, yeah. yeah, maybe. But, I can't remember how they found it out. Basically, they found a tweet from really long time ago. Was. Yeah, it went, I saw it went through like his LinkedIn and the name yeah. of the thing was like, the. yeah, I, I had a look at the... But I'm sure I read that um, they said that they came out and denied that it was him, which I, I guess they probably would, but... Um, I mean... What a mess. It's, it's a bit obvious. Like, you know, when yeah. think, the LinkedIn post was from 2019 or something like that, and there's just an image in the footer at the bottom, and it's the same image as the profile picture. Anyone can use that image, so it's not like definitive proof that it's him. Maybe he thinks it's it's such a stupid story. He doesn't need to probably come out and defend himself. He's got bigger things to worry about. But oh, I don't know. I, I do worry that if that gets found to be true, like he's going to struggle to get like a quality job after it. Well, he's not had the best reputation recently anyway. He didn't leave QPR in a good manner, and he had a really poor record up in Scotland. Yeah, I think to be fair. That was a really odd appointment anyway. I remember when they appointed him and I just thought, oh, that's a bit... None of them were happy from London fans, were they? So I think, I think it's one of them that it was never going to work because the fans didn't accept him anyway. And then when the when the results obviously turned and then there was that clip on the weekend where the, I can't remember who the player was, he came off the pitch and went to shake his hand and he like yeah. ignored him, didn't he? So I think it was just I was just a mess. That was the straw. I think that's what they were arguing about, that um, the Burner account was arguing with Graham about, I think he said, like, oh, look, here's evidence. You can see the manager didn't see him. That's that's what it was. So that's when he quote tweeted that, being like, oh, look, it's Michael Beale's Booner account. And then that's how it began, basically. It's odd when, you know, there's there's, there's no real reason to, like, defend him. And like, there was, there was no excitement with him coming in. The results have been awful. The football is worse. So it's hard to understand why, like, you know, like a devout, Sunderland fan would be like, oh yeah, like defending him, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's kind of obvious. Yeah. If you want to hear more on that, as I said, go and check out the preview video is up already. If I remember, I will link it below. Um, and if you're on Spotify, head to YouTube and you can catch all of our match previews there. Um, but yeah, he speaks about the situation there in a little bit more detail, just as a snippet of what's going on. Obviously, Mowbray got sacked. Not everyone was in the camp that wanted that to happen but Graham was saying it did feel in ways maybe it gone as far as it could under him and as much as they played good attack in football there were certain issues that just weren't getting fixed and maybe he, it was um, time, time to make a change but they just didn't get it right with the appointment quite similar echoes actually to Michael Duff coming in here yeah I was thinking it's quite similar isn't it but they didn't uh Mowbray said something, didn't he? Didn't he say something about their strikers? Like their strikers weren't good enough or something? And he kind of annoyed a lot of people and then that led to him being sacked. I, I don't know. In a, you know in a, yeah, you know. there was a bit of discontent at the end, I think. But I think um, yeah. it was one of them where he'd done a really good job, but he had his flaws and he was just they were just kind of not maybe improving anymore. Yeah. They're just where they were, which maybe where they were in the league wasn't a bad thing. 
it was a brave decision, I think, by the board then to get rid of him and bring someone in. But I think they didn't back that decision up with the appointment they made afterwards. And it was a bit of a hunt when they had links with like Will Still and yeah. they didn't get him. He was he was their first choice by all accounts and whatever happened there, it didn't materialise. And then Beal brought in out of nowhere. Probably, yeah. On the it's back really, end right now, which is the mad thing. It's Sorry. really um it's really hard at the moment, isn't it? I just this I read I read a stat somewhere that can't make the away day. Just get yourself comfortable, load up Swan's TV, grab your phone and order a muck delivery. Away days at home never tasted so good. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. Our participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Like Luke Williams is like the 18th longest yeah. serving manager in the league. It's just it's crazy. I, that, it, this is just what it is at the moment. I think this league is just it's ridiculous, especially if you're in that kind of middle to lower pack. It's just... I yeah, it is a bit nuts. Um, I know they have the caretaker in charge to the end of the season. Maybe they're looking at Will still for the summer then. Yeah, I mean, you can have caretakers to the end of the season and then replace them after a month yeah. as well if you want to, I suppose. It's not like, you know, they're not stuck, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Mike Dodge, I want to say. Dodge, yeah, it's, it's something like, again, go watch you. the preview video. It's, it's mad, it's mad, though, if, uh, it's mad though if you said, like, if Will still was their number one target, they didn't get him, and then now they're going back in for him. That's, uh, that's quite similar to us, isn't it, when we were going that's after uh, Chris Williams, Davis. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, a little bit different though, isn't it? Because I think it's a little bit different coming but... from a top league French team. No, but I think like it happens. It just happens everywhere, doesn't it? Like I guess clubs have always got their like, list of managers that they want, yeah. and it just time in and yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so going into this this game, considering Michael Beale, by all accounts, are taking all of the flair, all the excitement, all the good attack that Tony Mowbray wrote to the team away made them very defensive and boring and all of that stuff. I'm wondering, and I'm a bit concerned, now we're going to go up to a team where the shackles are off. I was quite yeah. optimistic going up here with Michael Beale in charge. His recent record, what I read as, I'll get it up for you in a second, in the, in the last seven games, four defeats, two wins and a draw, uh, the wins coming against Plymouth and Stoke. But they didn't back them up then with, with good results thereafter. And they lost actually to Huddersfield and Birmingham in the last two. So they're quite poor results for them in terms of being just outside the playoffs, you know, really knocking their chances of getting back in. So how are we feeling then? I'm a little bit gutted that has happened this week and not next week, to be honest. Um. I mean, counterpoint to the shackles off comment, like, would you rather go up against a team that perhaps a bit more open at the back, considering our inability to create quality chances, or would you rather go up against a team that's going to sit back a bit more, maybe like they were in the deal? 
Um, I think personally, he wasn't very complimentary of their even defending, even though the shackles were off. And if the home crowd was against them, we could have used that to our advantage. If that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas now, I think now I think there's going to be a bit of a buzz and uh, second wind around it because Beal's gone. People are probably a little bit happier about that. And then if they see the players playing some exciting football on a pitch, they're going to get right behind it from the first minute, you know. So I think it's a little bit more of a difficult match for us now. We could have used the toxic feeling around that appointment and what was going on to our advantage if it hadn't happened now. Like teams do to us on a weekly basis at the moment when they come down here. Oh, yeah. Our atmosphere has been dreadful recently, hasn't it? It's obviously where I was going to come on to when we talk about it, but I'm going back to like the Sunderland game. I'm glad it's away because I think we're a better team away from home because of the atmosphere at home. I generally think it's a I, it's a big factor at the moment. I saw the clip the other day of it always does the rounds in there every year. The goal we score against Man City in the in yeah. that FA Cup, and I, I just I was going to tweet it, but I didn't because everyone was just saying like, "Oh, look, it was a great goal." I was going to say, yeah, but the first three passes went backwards and now they would have been booed off the pitch because the first three passes went backwards. People would have been complaining. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. even though that's what they want. <laughs> there are times to play it back. There are also times to not play it back and we still do. That's when people get frustrated. But you are right, there's obviously that core of people in the uh, West, East Stand, sorry, that boo every single pass backwards. You see some people like sit around... Got to be careful what I say here in case people recognise me in the stadium. But um, <laughs> people, are sit, people are sitting near me. Um, and they've booed Michael Duffball. They've booed Russell Martin's football. They've booed Potter's football. No matter yeah. what approach yeah. you take, it's always going to be wrong to some people. Some people are there to get all their anger out and just vent. And it could, it's got to be Pep Guardiola standard for them to be satisfied. Yeah. So oh, yeah. there's, there's yeah. always going to be people who aren't happy with what they're seeing unless they're you know, 2 0 up half time. That's the other thing. People based off result. We could play awful and be one 0 up. No one's going to boo. We could play brilliant, be one 0 down. People are going to boo. It's like yeah, it's but it's what I what I don't understand at the moment is you spot on what you said because it's like if we're one 0 down at half time, it's boo. It's awful. Oh my god, it's terrible. It's not like I don't know. I feel like before it would be oh we're one 0 down, but you know we'll see what happens second half. It's either like. You know we're one nil up, and oh my god, we're playing really well. Or oh, it's pull them off the pitch. It's not. It's there's no quite extreme. Yeah, there's no in between anymore. And like I've I've sat in the same seat in the stadium since since it opened, and the, the atmosphere has just gone horrific. And I I genuinely mean this when I say like there's some people in the stadium that are like only like loud when we're playing bad, like they don't say a word when we're playing well. And it's all like quite quiet, and they, you know, they're watching the game. And then as soon as we go one nil down, I just think, oh my god, like I, I don't know what's going to come here because you can just see the stadium turn. We go one nil down against anyone, and the stadium turns instantly. It's booing, it's shouting, it's sorted out, it's bring someone else on, it's do this or pass the ball forward. Why are you going backwards? And it's, it's horrendous. And that's what I said to you a couple of weeks ago. I think maybe the last one I was on, and I said I worry about us if we do get into a relegation fight because. That, we can't rely on a home atmosphere to win a big game. So if we went like one nil down in like a six pointer, we have like QPR at home over Easter, and we're desperately needing points. The stadium's just going to turn. Last game of the season is Millwall. Though I tell you what, those after after the international break, the fixtures really worry me because if we're still in if we're still in like looking over our shoulder, we're going to play all the teams in and around us. So you talk about six pointers, 
I think like Easter weekend we play Sheffield Wednesday away on the Friday and QPR home on the Monday. We've got Millwall home last game. We've got a Rotherham have got to come down. Um, I think Stoke. Stoke have got to come down. Yeah, Huddersfield. We've got to go to Huddersfield. All right, it's all the teams that are below us. It's, yeah. it's, they, they, they could be massive games. But on the flip side, you could also turn that into a massive positive. Yeah, oh yeah. If you win, yeah. if you win three of them, I mean, like even just three of them, do you know what I mean? I think that I know. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a scary position that, like, it's literally win or bust in those games, isn't it? It's not yeah, like from our last nine games, including Cardiff, just before the international break, you got seven, six pointers. Really, maybe disregard Rotherham because they're gone already. So call it six, yeah. six pointers plus Rotherham at home, which you need to be winning because of where they are. So it's the only difficult games really in that run: of Norwich away, and then maybe Borough as well. It's it's mad to think how tight the league is, though, because if you think like of how our season has gone, if we hadn't, I know it's, it's all ifs and buts, isn't it? Because it could have gone the other way, but that Hull win is massive because it came out of nowhere. And Duff's like random run of like four wins in a row, whatever it was, is literally saving our season. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But then again, there's games, there's games like where that. we could have won. You know, I think it was the Watford game at home, wasn't it, where they disallowed Darling's goal. I think it was for no reason. Um, so you know, there's swings and roundabouts, but it's tight. It's going to be a t- it's going to be a tight finish if they don't start picking up points the next couple of games. Yeah, <clears throat> I think QPR have form, got Rotherham right? on Saturday as well. I mean, if that's the issue as well. Sorry. I was just say, sorry, there's so many teams close together, but it feels like every week there's like two six pointers, so one of them is picking up a win and catching you. Yeah, yeah. It will be interesting. Do you think we get a win at Sunderland then to start it off? One all. Me? I'd probably, I, I'd, I'd probably buy your hand off for a point now. I think with the, with the change in the week, I think I'd, yeah, I'd definitely take a point. Yeah, I said two all on the preview video and the ones I've done for other channels. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. I just think we, I, I think it will click at some point where we do start, start scoring a few more goals. We are create like if Ronald's creating these opportunities, it's only a matter of time before there is more that are put in. You'd like to think, anyway. Yeah, I hope. Um, I hope. I hope I'm wrong as well. I hope. I hope it does click into place. But I, at the moment, based on what I've seen so far, I don't think that like defensive ship is going to click. I, I just don't think you can play like that in the championship or long term. I don't think you can do it. I, I, I hope I'm see. wrong. I hope look, yeah. it just like works and. I'll sit here in a few months' time and be like, oh my God, it's fantastic the way they play. I love it. It's brilliant. But even when we played against, like I said, the Birmingham game, they could have scored about four or five against us. I don't think chances. the Birmingham game's a good... No, I know it was his one, first game. It? I know, I know, uh, I know. And Bashir Humphreys had an absolute travesty. It's probably a nice <laughs> way to put it. Um, <laughs> but, there is, yeah, it does. You've seen me ranting when I chat to you when the games are on about me watching it. I'm so on edge watching of defending. Because I don't want to keep beating a bush about it, um, but the 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 best way I can describe the feeling around it is, it seems teams can just get through that much so easy. There's several times in a game that there's someone running in through on goal for our goal, but we we never seem to have that once against anyone. Yeah. So, so why is that? You can yeah you can sacrifice it if it's happening at the other end, but it's not. But like no one else is letting us in the same way. What I would say is so Ronald makes about six probably intelligent runs in behind the yeah. back line game. We find him maybe once. 
Yeah. Yeah, but then that that's that's perhaps an issue with our attack as well. But maybe the ball isn't the easiest ball to play, and that's why we don't take it up. The balls that are going through us seem to be like you can just see it come in. Yeah. And it happens yeah, yeah. week in, week out. And I don't think I've ever seen the team concede so many opportunities where there's someone running or two or three players running in on goal from so far out. Yeah, and... I do think it um I do think part of it as well is the way he sets up the midfield as well. Like there just seems to be like one ball like from their midfield or for you know from their you know defensive midfielder that can just go straight through the midfield and straight at the back four um i don't know whether he's asking you know grimes to be like pressing a bit further forward but we just seem to get just cut out straight away like like you said it's just so easy and that's let's, what worries me yeah let's talk about the team then because i think there's some conversation here like Alan started in the last game alongside Grimes. Felton's been in the role of being the deeper one, hasn't he? And he's coming for a lot of criticism. I do think, as much as I've defended Jay Felton, there probably is an argument for that as a position you need to get someone that is designed for that role in the summer. If if we're going to persist with this sort of defending, you need like a strong CDM who is going to enforce that area. And... I don't know who that is, and I feel like that costs a decent whack to get in. But like a Philip Billing mould sort of thing, box to box. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like Aerial Downs did for end. us, I guess, wasn't it? That's why Downs was so good under Russell Martin, maybe. Yeah, oh, Downs that. would be perfect, right? He's someone like a position. Leroy Fur as well. And I'm not trying to discredit Felton. I think he's he's good to have around, you know, and in in the options we have now, he's a good player. I just think if we want to push up the league, we probably do need someone that's really strong in that position I think maybe that's as well but maybe yeah. it's just not certain games yeah yeah. I, I just think if our defending is going to be always a little bit on edge and always a little bit sceptical to conceding a goal you know it's not going to be as rigid and strong and reliable as it was under like Steve Cooper where you probably saw the best out of Jay Felton maybe you need someone a bit different in that area of the pitch in midfield to help the defence out a bit more. Uh, I don't know who that is. I feel like that's a really difficult um, CV to go and find to fill in that gap, but I feel like that's a task for the summer they need to be looking at. I think he's a bit... I just. I think he's a bit overrun. In some of the games I've seen, it's like... I, yeah. It looks like he presses Grimes forward and Fulton's kind of just overrun when that when the team like turns over the ball and they're running at us. Or whoever's in that position just seems to be... Like just stranded with nothing, with just no option, nothing, nothing to do. So I don't know. Could be a personnel thing, you know. Could be that maybe. And and again, we've we've we're talking about going back to the defense as well. We've got so many injuries, especially right back. We had no luck there. So maybe it's a personnel thing, like you said. And maybe if we get another person like that fits that mold. Um, well, Joe Allen started. That's why I highlighted it. And similar things happened, didn't it? It's not like it. Yeah, there's a there's a conversation that needs to be had there with Joe Allen, I think, unfortunately. And like I saw Walsh again is in is out again, isn't he? So I think that's probably the last time we've seen him in a swan shirt. Um Okay, while you've mentioned them too, I have got a bit of uh there's been discussions about him. So Joe Allen yet to sort any new contract stuff out. Um I think there's no decision reached on whether there will be discussions on him. There's talks to be had that I mean I dunno if he's gonna get one. I feel like he's got a use in the club now. Maybe it's not so much on the pitch. 
I'm not saying he can't contribute, but I think his value is more becoming off the pitch as we go on. If he and stays with the slice of wages and half, as well, so. <clears throat> yeah, if if he would, I guess. But um, I guess that's the conversation for them to have. I like. I wouldn't be opposed to him sticking around if he cost a lot less money and was there to help with the ethos of the club and maybe the youngsters and all that sort of stuff, you know? Like a bit part role. Someone there to step in when someone else gets injured because he can do a solid job. But it's not someone you can rely on at all. And if he's going to compromise, you bring in someone else in that's going to make a bigger contribution, then he's he's got to go, hasn't he? Uh, Liam Walsh, it looks like, is not recovering from the injury that he picked up as quickly as they would have liked. And as much as they are not clarifying out and out that he won't play again this season, Duke Williams has said he thinks it's unlikely, but he does hope that he can get on the pitch. And they haven't made a decision yet on whether they will be offer him a new contract. And he did cite the injury concerns as the reason because he said it's unfortunate because he is a quality top player when he's on the when he's on the pitch. You know he makes such a difference, but he just can't get over these constant injury concerns. I think the only fair thing you can do for Liam Walsh, honestly, is just let him set out the rest of the season and be fit for the summer. Because he'll want another contract somewhere else. He'll be dropping down the league or going abroad, you'd imagine. I, I honestly think if he comes back last little spell, trying to get back up to speed, in an intense scenario, because we'd probably be needing points in a relegation battle, probably gets injured again, doesn't he? If we're being honest, perfectly honest. Yeah, it's best best either, like, you know, does someone desperate in League One take a chance on him or championship contract pay as you play or pay as you fit as stupid as that sounds because like it, it's just such constant uh injury issues yeah or does he stick around on a pay as you play basis here do they even do them though in the championship history? like do they do they exist I'd, unless there's legal issues for it now say again sorry it's rare now, isn't it? The, the players agree to do it, I think. It, it is rare, because normally they have an offer on the table that isn't pay-as-you-play, but I guess it depends. How, does he think he can recover long-term and push up you know, with his career? Or does he yeah. just sort of, you know... It's going to be about money at the end of the day. Pay-as-you-play here, does he trust himself to say fit? Probably not. A League 1 or League 2 side, they may give him 25% of what he's on now, but he at least knows the constant, consistent salary that he can rely on. <clears throat> yeah. I think he was mismanaged again, though. I think we called it on the day of the West Brom game that he got injured in. We were like, oh, he's starting again. I'm a bit worried he's playing too many matches in a row. And then. Yeah. It was obvious, wasn't it? it was, it's annoying. Yeah. I know it's easier to say in hindsight, but when, you know, I think a lot of people did say it on the day. I was happy. I was like, oh, they, they must think he's doing all right then to be starting straight after. And then, what was it, 10 minutes in? Injured. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I such think, a shame because he was good. He was doing well. It is a shame because the the spells he's had with us, like when he's when he has been fit and like the group of games he's played, he's always done well. Like he's always played well, and you always think, oh, if he just stays fit, like he's a really good option to have. And then and then he gets injured. And it's a it's a shame, but I think it'd be um, I think it'd be bad business to give him another contract. I unfortunately think you're probably right, as much as I hate to agree, because I do like watching him, and I think he does give us something different in midfield than none of the others do. He looks more exciting on the ball than the rest of our midfield, and he gives us that bit of flair, <clears throat> and I think will really suit Luke Williams' system as well. But it is a massive shame to see that he, he won't perhaps get the minutes. Um, we had a couple of players who have 
the quality perhaps that we miss out because of injury recently. You could go back and say like Ferry Bod was one of them, really high talented player, but injury issues caused him problems for his career. Michu, as much as we got the best out of him for that year, got in, injured the season after and I think he barely kicked a ball after that. He went to Napoli and had, what, four games and hardly made 20, 30 appearances in the rest of his career after that uh, as another one. And then more recently, Jordan Morris, another one, hampered by injury in his one shirt. So I think I guess... some of the players you're mentioning as well is sort of why we've always been, well, not always, but we've been a selling club in recent seasons. I think Ferry Bodie, he, I'm pretty sure he had soft links to Man United, how true that was, I don't know. But point being, we would, we lost out on probably a substantial seven-figure fee when seven-figure fees was unheard of for championship clubs at the time because of that yeah. injury. Never. He had like 25, 30 million pound conversations with Arsenal. It was no it was no surprise really when Wilfred Bonney was sold immediately when he, you know, 18 months after joining because you were class. And he was sold at the perfect time as well. Yeah. If you look at his career path. We can't lose out on fees that big is the thing. I think we probably learned that with some of the players who we've had who just haven't hit the height they should have because of injury. Even we people like Montero. Did we? Like Montero, I think, but that everyone knows the spell I'm talking about in the Premier League when he was ruining Callum Chambers and the van, <laughs> yeah. what have you. You know, he, he looked like a Champions League quality player. There's no point selling any shorter of that. He was beating absolutely everyone for pure pace. No one could handle him. Injured. Never yeah. really. Hit he the was same just height. struck with injuries all the time, wasn't he? Always. Yeah. It's a shame, though. There's so many good players lost out of injury. I, I'll never forget the Bode one. I think it was. I do think um, he was going to go because we were playing. I'll never forget. It was the Friday night against Birmingham, and he tracked someone back, and he like went down like behind the goal sort of thing, like behind the byline. He just tracked the run back, and he just didn't get back up. And it was the Friday night in December. Sad last night, didn't he? Yeah, I think he was. I think he was gone in the January. Poor day. I think he was going to the Prem in January, and then he had that injury in that December Friday night game, and and that was that. Pretty sure I was there for that, believe it or not. I would, I would, I would have been like probably young at the time. But yeah, I just remember yeah. being like, oh, he's back. And then, wasn't it like first or second game back or something? Just yeah, it was, it, was, yeah. Yeah, it was good. I think, yeah, and I think he would, but I think he would have been gone. So I don't think we would have seen him in a swan shirt again if he stayed fit. But just would have loved to have seen what, uh, what he would have done after that. Yeah, sad. Sad some of these players have their careers ruined uh, by injury. Um, but on the, on the topic of injuries, you mentioned right back being a position of concern for Swans. Well, Josh, Kian, Harris and Ashby are back on the grass. don't know if they'll be available for selection this weekend, but this is good That's news good. at least. Cal Norton, I think, has done a solid job since he's come in, but he's obviously limited in certain ways. And it's Darling. Darling was especially, on the bench. Cal, Darling came on, didn't he, against uh, Ipswich in the second half. So he's back to uh, Key, I think, will be the one I'm excited to see in this system. I don't think we've seen him under Luke Williams. So no. it'd be good to get him back. Uh, I believe Jamal Lowe is only a week or two away from being back in selection contention as well. I think Blackburn was a game cited as potential, maybe, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. And Abdullah is also returned, but I don't think maybe available for selection this week, but he's also back in training. I, I want to see Abdullah in midfield. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Maybe in that position might work. How much he'll suit the system? We haven't really seen enough of him to know what he's like in a possession-heavy system yet because he's only really played under Duff on the wing-back. 
But I'd like to think, you know, coming from Premier League Academy, signed to an academy that looks to play that style of football, I'm, I'm hoping he won't, wouldn't look out of place. Brings a bit of tenacity, doesn't he? A bit of energy. Yeah, I think, I think I'd like to see him there. It'd be good. Like you said, you're looking for someone in that role there. Maybe could be the long-term answer. He looked like raw talent when we saw him earlier in the season, but sometimes that could be a positive to have one or two of those players around the first-team squad who are just not afraid to, like try and do something exciting when it's needed you know it's a shame as well we lost um lost sam parker as well to injury didn't we um yeah in birmingham so that's another one we've lost on that right side where he was playing well so it's just we have been unlucky with injuries in all fairness i've seen a lot of people saying like you know when darling's fit put him back put him straight in for either wood or cabango i, I like darling a lot i think he's good but in a high line i he's a red card where he didn't happen as a last man i think we stick him a right back above Norton. I was I was frustrated. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'd stick him a right back. Obviously, he was in. I know he's coming back from injury. He was on the bench. You'd like to think if somebody's on the bench, they should at least be able to play twenty five minutes, half hour. In my opinion, I don't think anyone should be on the bench if they can't fulfil that like responsibility. So when you saw Norton about fifty minutes, every time the ball got near him, he was so lethargic. I love him and all, brilliant servant, still brilliant quality wise. But you at that age and that position, you know, what's being asked of you in the system at fullback, you're basically a wing back as well. And he's you can't do that for more than a half of football, really. And it was so obvious he needed to come off. I was getting to the point where I was even saying we had Philip Lister on the bench. Honestly, stick Nathan Wood right back, put Lister next to Gabango. Because I was just waiting for Norton to get done the pace on the wing, just to be out of the yeah, Isn't Lister a right back? A couple of times. Say again. Isn't Lister a right back? I thought he was centre back. Well, when he played, he, I think came, he came in a wing back. In a back. Well, he came on in a back three, didn't he? When he did play for like a short, short spell. I thought he came on for Ashby. Oh, I, I can't remember what game it was in the cup, wasn't it? It was the I mean, Bournemouth you, game. You're looking like a while back now, aren't you? Um, was it Bournemouth? Yeah, it was the Bournemouth game. I'll, I'll get like that up now. Well, I didn't know he came on against Bournemouth. I was referring to like earlier on. Uh, the right. Yeah, no, he played recently. Um, let's have a look. Yeah, I'm not yeah, sure. He came, but, but he came I, on yeah. for Ashby at right wing back. So, I, I mean, think... he could have just come on for Norton. Um, well, it's a bit of a weird one, to be honest. So, he's played centre back when he has played for like the youth and that this season. A weird one, I know it's just gone completely off topic. He played up front against <laughs> Kairai. Kairai Is he one oh. of them players who sign a football manager that's like a defender and then you just see in, in well, not even other position striker? He played an hour yeah. up front. I'm not, I'm not sure. So, maybe, like, maybe... I think Norton was playing that game, wasn't he? So, unless, like, they brought him on for Ashby and they put him... Yeah, no, right he definitely went out wide. Middle, I, I remember yeah. watching it and he went out to the... the ah, fair enough. Wide. Well, we're like, yeah, but I think, like, going back going back to the right position, I think, yeah, I, I'd rather see Darlin there, I think, than being centre-half. But we'll see. We will see. Um when I click on his account on SofaScore, he's actually down as a midfielder, so who knows? <laughs> well, I mean, he just does a bit of everything. Yeah, well, Abdelai's kind of similar, isn't it? Sometimes when they make the jump from youth to senior team, they do kind of play with their positions, don't they? Sometimes. I think he has been a centre-back, but obviously the height on him, he's only like five foot eleven. so him playing right-back wouldn't be the most, you know, hard, the most difficult thing to imagine, I suppose. No. No. Okay. Let's, uh, the last thing we want to chat about quickly before we end the video, there has been some investment into the club today, actually. A uh, club have released a statement, and it's been reported on BBC and elsewhere as well, that the club 
can confirm new shares have been issued in the club following a planned equity injection by the majority ownership group. Now, I believe this has happened a few times in the last year or two, hasn't it? Um, so we have another one. The equity increase made by Swansea Football LLC follows previous transfers of capital in July and November. So that's the two I'm referring to of uh, 2023. As part of the approved budget for the 23-24 season, the club expects additional equity injections in the coming months. So it looks like there's more to come as well. Today's share, today's share issuance and those additional funds from part of the investment into the club by Chairman Andy Coleman and the majority ownership group. So he's putting more money in himself as well. I didn't, didn't realise he was part of it this time. Um, I know we spoke heavily about it in the past, but yeah. yeah. The transaction comes in for, in the form of equity rather than a loan, which avoids burdening the club with debt. These funds support the costs of the playing squad and day-to-day -day operations, while this move results in other shareholders seeing their ownership percentage diluted, including the Swansea City Supporters Trust. It does not affect the trust's fully protected and non-dilutable 5% shareholding in the club nor their right to a place on the club's board of directors. And it's not written here, but I believe the trust um, supported this from what I've seen as well. Yeah, so it's, it's nothing new. So basically what the 5% thing meant for anyone who didn't know is the trusts have obviously more than a 5% stake in the football club. But every time there's an investment in the football club in the form of equity from the majority shareholders, because their shares are increasing, other people's shares in the club who are more minority owners have to decrease to make that change in share ownership happen. So this two and a half million pounds come in, the majority ownership, so the consortium with Andy Coleman, their ownerships have gone up in exchange for that two and a half million. So the minority shareholders be in the trust and maybe, I'm not sure who else is even left now, Hugh Jenkins is gone, maybe people like Michael Morgan, you know, some of the older owners who still have little bits left in the club their ownership in the club would have decreased as a result, but the trust has 5%, which will always remain 5% and never becomes any smaller. That's literally just to appease the fans. It, 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 it used to be more than 5%, I'm pretty sure, at a given time. It, it's at a point now where I'm not really sure what the trusts are there for. I know that I'm changing topics a little bit. A little bit hard to envisage. I mean, the point of the trust is like to protect the club. If our owners... What can they actually do? Yeah, exactly. They don't have the funding, do they? It, like, I'm not saying if they disagree no with something fundamentally. Yeah. How much? How much um, of a voice and how much can it actually stop something happening? I guess they they kind of like the middleman. I think at the moment between the fans, the the, the board, and I yeah. feel like they use this as a tool to try and keep relations as smooth as possible. Yeah, I mean, even when the trust had more of a stake in the club, they weren't even informed that it was being sold. That's when we were in the Premier League. So I think that says enough about what the trust is sort of thought about by majority the majority owners because they were buying the club. They knew the trusts were there. Didn't think to actually inform them yeah. that it was happening. And obviously, we know about the whole legal battle and what have you that's ensued in the years since, which eventually got settled. But, I mean, going back to the overall story, two and a half million, we clearly need it. We haven't had the income that maybe we thought we did because we spent so much on players that haven't really bared fruit. Nice to hear, actually, that it will be, you know, potentially more investment coming in the months just because it may be, you know, I can picture the summer being a little bit smoother as a result. I am worried about the summer, so hopefully the money does keep coming in. How sustainable it is, on the other hand, I'm not sure. 
Joni thoughts on this, Lee? Yeah, I think like I I think it's a good thing. I think um, well, it's a, it's good in a way that they are putting the money in to kind of help out the club, whereas owners of other clubs might just you know let the club take losses. <clears throat> You've seen other clubs just like sort of wilter away, um, and owners won't put money in their in their in their own pockets to to kind of do it. But also, it, it's kind of worrying that it needs to happen. It's, it, you know, it just it looks like the club is losing money and they're plugging the gap, which we should be grateful for. I know the owners get a lot of stick, um, and rightly so for a lot of things that we've that have happened in the past. But we're you know we're in a decent position, I think, financially. Where we were talking about it off air when we before we came on, like the current climate in football is frightening, and I think there's so many clubs that are struggling. So the fact that we've got the owners that are willing to put like two and a half million of their own money back into the club just to plug the gap and keep the running of the club going, then I think we should be grateful for that at this point in time. I mean, the long-term future of the ownership is obviously going to, you know, is, is a debate to, to be had, but I think we should be grateful for now that they've done that. Yeah. I, I see, I've seen a mixed reaction on Twitter, but I don't know how. <sighs> yeah. I, I just... What you want, I don't really understand what people can well, are complaining about when money's put in, because they're complaining now that the, the running of the club is not good enough if you need to put this in to avoid losses, which, all right, whatever, but look across the league. Just have a look across the league before you make comments like that. And other things. No, I, I, I don't know what people are expecting, because I think, um, you know, I when everyone was saying, oh, you know, we need, to, we need to spend money, we need to buy players, we need to do this, we need to do that, I was like, I don't know where this money has come from. They've said before, like, you know, I know we've sold players for high fees, but they've had to go back into the running of the club. Because I think all, I think every, I, I would go as far to say like every club outside of the top, maybe top 10 are probably just losing money on a daily, on a daily basis. Like these football clubs are just losing money. It's just it's yeah. not sustainable. The championship now, what do you mean the English pyramid? Oh, the championship, I mean, sorry, yeah, in our league. Yeah. I think I, probably all of them are losing money, to be honest. Like, operational losses, which is just, let's remove player sales. I'm pretty sure yeah, they're all yeah. losing money. It's only yeah, yeah. trade smartly like we have in recent years. They're actually, you know, turning a profit. Not that we're even turning a profit anymore. That was just to break even what we were doing. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think what's, made, what's going to make it more difficult now is, like, we, the championship relies a lot on selling the best assets to Premier League clubs. Premier clubs are worried quite significantly about financial fair play. There wasn't much of that in January just gone. We don't know how much that's going to affect them in the summer. But even if you see a drop of that, the amount of players they're bringing in uh, with for these big fees from the championship, that's kind of a knock-on effect then across the whole league. And I guess us down to League One and vice and and so forth. You know, it's not. We are all selling clubs unless you've got parachute payments to back yourselves up or some significant investment that you risk pumping some money and hoping you go straight up. That's kind of the only two things you really see. Otherwise, you're a selling club and you're selling your big names to do another year and try and reinvest a couple of positions in your team. So many clubs uh, that I speak to in the pre-match videos say, oh, our, our club's way of doing things is to buy unknown talent who are young give them a go and sell them on for a bigger fee everyone's trying to do that same model there's only so many players you can sign that are gonna fit the criteria of actually progressing exactly. enough to move up the leagues 
and maybe this this bigger conversation goes into our window of last summer you know you could kind of connect all the dots here everyone's trying to do the same thing you could argue we we were trying to do that I don't think actually maybe we were to the same extent when we came up the first time. You know, Scott Sinclair was our like record transfer at one point when we the season before we got promoted for one million, and then this season now we, some people are like, did we spend too much or did we not on the likes of Timon and maybe we overpaid on Mikola, but it just shows how much different the landscape is, and what was McCall like two point something million and the idea of his signing was to bring him in hopefully he does well and we sell him on for bigger I think he was just over a million potentially rising to two yeah something in that region it was similarly happened like you know worked with like Downs in there and Perot was kind of the what they were trying to do anyway so it's not always going to work is it it's also the issue of someone's only worth what someone's willing to pay it's like Perot you could argue even though he had a year left on his deal Someone of his caliber, proven over two seasons, has been worse players who have gone for more money. But unless there's a club there with 15 million, 20 million in the bank ready to pay that much for your player, and you need to sell the player, you're selling them at less than their value, and it's frustrating. Like Roden, I, I'm, I'm still convinced when he went to Spurs, he was probably on track if he had game time to be one of maybe top 15, top 10 centre backs in the league. He had that potential. He's not going to hit that now because he didn't get the game time. But what do we sell him for? 11 potentially rising to 15. I doubt any of those add-ons got activated because he barely played. He was worth more than £11 million. We just didn't get it because no one else was willing to pay the money for him. Connor Roberts was, was just... the bad one for me. That's just stupidity for letting him run down to six months. So a, he didn't want to leave by all accounts. He never really got off the contract from what I heard anyway. It's about £2 it million he went for, wasn't it? Two and a half. Yeah, it wasn't enough for him at the time, was it? And I think they, they sold low for £2 million, didn't they? And that was coming off a season where he scored like 16 goals, I think, in the championship. Yeah, I mean, that actually, well, you can argue that worked out because that ended up basically being a straight swap for Oberfemi. But I take your point, yeah, yeah. which have you been worth more than that? Yeah, the amount of goals he scored for how well he was. But in a system as well, where the chance creation wasn't high under Steve Cooper, was it? No, exactly. Was that you and him were just doing it on their own, basically. Yeah, but you are right. I think it's just it's just the, it's just the market. And there's people are willing to buy, I think. And... This is why there's a gulf in, you know, Leicester, Southampton, and Leeds, even more so this year. And every year, it's going to happen that the three teams that come down are going to be a cut above. I mean, Ipswich are the bit of an anomaly this year, aren't they? Really, that they've been able to stay up there and compete with them. But I still fully expect those to be the top three in it, the three that came down, because, you know, the money they were paying for players, like I think Southampton spent a ridiculous amount of money, didn't they? And Leeds. So I was just gonna say, what's not to Southampton though? Yes, they did spend a lot of money, but the transfers they had coming in or going out, sorry, in terms of money they raised, it, it was like something that the championship's never seen. You know, they, they were yeah. turning down forty million pound bids for players. Yeah. I don't know how much time we got. Just going back quickly, for, no, I loaded good. up the players, players who have left. Um, so they had. I'll, I'll just go the top five in like increase in order. So they had Salisu for fifteen million euros. Taylor, 23 million euros. James Ward-Prowse, 34 million euros. Liveramento, 37 million euros. Romeo Lavia, who barely played for them in the Premier League, by all accounts, he's only 19, 62 million euros. Carlos Alcaraz, who went on loan for a 4 million loan fee. Juventus had the option to buy him for 40 million euros. You know, it's absolutely nuts. Alcaraz wasn't even playing for them. He was on the bench in the championship. He's on the bench in the championship. Juventus had the option to buy him for 40 mil. And they didn't sell the likes of Kyle Waterpeters, Che Adams. 
I mean, there's yeah, Armstrong. They got, yeah, and, you know. and yeah, like they brought a lot of good players in. I didn't actually realize this. So, Shea Charles and Ross Stewart, they were 12 million euros, 9 million euros, fine. Manning, as we know, left us for free. Howard Bell, as they probably got arguably the best centre back in the league there. They got him on loan with an option to buy. David Brooks, who they got in January, they got him on loan. Flynn Downs, loan. Fraser, I didn't actually realize this, is on loan. Holgate, loan. Rothwell from Bournemouth, loan. Like so, in terms of money they've spent, I'm not saying those are cheap loans. No doubt they were probably loan fees and they've paid all their wages. But they're in even a club like that who raised that much money had those parachute payments. They haven't actually spent excessively. The net profit's insane. Yeah, but a lot of that profit, I don't think they're going to see a lot of it. You know what I mean? Like I feel like the the relegation, the amount of money a Premier League spends to on the staff and everything coming down to the championship. Like, think how many play, uh, people we had to relieve of jobs and we downgrade, downgrade the academy and all that sort of stuff. They might be in the fortunate position, they go straight back up and it doesn't have to happen. But I guess they're taking that risk for it, aren't they? They're smart because they bled themselves heavy now so they don't have to next summer. But just, you know, the, the drop in income, I think it is something stupid, like 100 million euros, hundred maybe more, yeah. 110 million euros. But point being, if you're just quickly just going to add up yeah, all of their sales. It comes in at about 175 million euros. Plus, they've got Alcaraz potentially, who will go for another 30 odd million pounds, 40 million euros, whatever it is in the summer. So, yeah, like, their drop crazy. in income has been more than covered by those sales. Just yeah, roughly so, speaking. You know, we, are, we are not in that game, are we? Like, we're in the same league as these teams. We're just not in that, you know, I mean, in terms of business off the pitch, when people are saying, like, oh, you know, you wasted 2 million on signing Kuharovic, oh my god, you haven't got a clue what you're doing. These people are working in a different stratosphere. It's, <clears> cra- it's crazy, really. And, and it's I easy in hindsight. Yeah, I don't think we should be criticising the financial running of the... If you're going to criticise the board for one thing, I don't think it's the stability of our finances. Maybe no, you can criticise the spending on players and how that side of it goes. But in terms of, if anything, we want them to release more for player movement you know in terms of incomings and that's the criticism not the fact that they are mismanaging and there's losses on the cards i don't think necessarily unless the losses come as a result of poor player sales but uh player purchases sorry but um you can't you can't say definitively last summer nor all of them have run their course yet have they it could only take one of them to have a good good couple of seasons and be profitable to make that summer not as bad like if Josh Key ends up getting sold for like fifteen million down the line, for example, you know, all of a sudden it, it was all them risks were okay, and that's the game we're kind of playing. I mean, as well as other clubs. I was gonna say like a Coventry, they've had two big sales in the summer, just gone. They've spent a considerable amount, and good for them. They've actually managed to basically stay where they are, but they they've done all that probably knowing they're not going to be in an automatic promotion battle. They're currently seven, three points off the playoffs. They, you do That's what you have to do now. You have to spend as much as they have just to be in a playoff battle to maybe get lucky and beat the teams there who are better than you and sneak into the Prem. And then you've got to yeah. somehow... And then from there, you, you kind of accept there's no point really spending there to try and compete because there's no point. You can still go down. You basically just got to do what Luton are doing, spend minimally. Hopefully, have a good game plan, stay there, but accept chances are you're going to be in a relegation battle and you're coming back down. Luton may stay up, but it's unlikely that most teams do. Yeah. 
So I just think the, there's probably a lot more to come from the financial landscape of football in the next coming months. And I think I think we're blinded by that as well, aren't we? Like, I, I mean, we as in like a lot of Swansea fans that oh, we want to go back to this like Swansea way, which was ten years ago, and the landscape's totally different. You know, yeah, the game's moved on. Well, it's more than ten years ago now. I think the game... the Talksport fan network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The match has just finished and you're on your way home. What better way to celebrate that 90th minute winner than a McNugget share box and a few tips with your mates? You channel your inner Ronald as you race to beat the muck delivery home, just making it an injury time. Ordering muck delivery is easy on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. It was like well and truly moved on in terms of finances and the play on the pitch. I think it's just, it's just the way it is different ball game uh yeah. just to finish the video then a couple of snippets of news we had uh josh marsh obviously left to go to chelsea loan manager or something he's gone there to be was he or something along yeah. those lines i think his, his exit's been expected for quite some time maybe since last summer but that's been confirmed and then we had jesse marsh speaking in the news that uh, Bob Bradley was unfairly treated during his time at Swansea. Maybe that's a conversation for a later podcast. I do, I do understand where he's coming from to an extent, but then there's also an extent of fair criticism. I think most managers fail in that situation because no one wanted Wheedling sacked. But then also, I think the one thing that probably is, you know, it's easier to look back and say now. I don't use a strong word, but there was a bit of xenophobia from him right from the start. Everyone got yeah. on him because he was American. And, and I know the it's language not... that he was using was yeah. used to mock the situation as well. Soccer AM didn't help, you know, the yeah. Brad Bobley and all that. Like, I think he's a good manager. Did he suit the Premier League? Probably not. Did he have the squads to do what he wanted to do? Certainly not. It was imbalanced entirely. Um, would I want him back also? No. No. Pretty much summarises it. He had yeah. an unfair crack and he would always be remembered for that. Maybe if he came in at a different time and had a summer, it would have been different, but we will never know. And you can only judge him on what you saw, and that's the way it is. But I do agree. I think some of the social media stuff towards him, and it probably wasn't correct, was it, in terms of, like, oh, he's going to fail. You only got to come in because he's the same nationality as the owners. He's got a decent pedigree where he's been at, where else he's been in the football world, hasn't he? So you can't be awful. just wasn't right for us at the time. Um the other thing then that we didn't discuss, we're not going to go into it now, I'm just going to mention it. Charlie Patino in the news, Luke Williams speaking about why he's not been in the team. Maybe we'll talk about it next week after he is or isn't in the team this weekend. But just echoing stuff that Sheehan had said earlier in the season about some of his other aspects of the game off the ball and specifically winning the ball back as part of Luke Williams' system. He wants the team to be as efficient as possible taking the ball off the opposition. And apparently, Patino's not fitted into that quite yet. And 
the article did highlight certain numbers behind it and he was bottom of the pile of our midfielders when it came to things like interceptions and tackles made per 90 and all that sort of stuff. So that's where the decision is coming from for him to not be starting games for anyone that is still clamouring for his inclusion. Yeah. <laughs> we've been saying it for a long time, haven't we? I was glad that article came out because we've been trying to sort of highlight that for ages when people are just like, no and he was he was there. lower on the list than Jay Felton as well, just just so everyone is aware of that as well, because that's <clears> what <throat> the role is that they are being asked to play. Now the the other argument is they want him to play as number ten, don't they? But I guess you drop Jamie Patterson for that, and that's another conversation altogether. Yep. Um, oh, and Victor Giocares has just scored quite a good goal against young boys as well. If we want to talk about some of the ones that got away. Maybe it doesn't hurt so much because he was never our player, but someone that we didn't utilise at all, who is now apparently a just really good footballer, that's going to be going, getting sold for another ridiculous sum of money at this rate. Well, the release clause is 87 million euro, right? Wow. 39 goal contributions in 31 games this season. He just, he just looks like a menacing player like i'm watching this goal and i've said no, no one's got it in front of him i'm sure people will see it doing the rounds on social media today um but he just the ball is stuck to his feet he's taking players on he's like he's under pressure from two defenders just like making some space and hitting it into the top corner it is just nuts he didn't even score a goal for us i think that one thing that's more nuts is probably not talked about enough even after doing well at Coventry, brighton of all clubs sold into Coventry for a mil like Brighton, who are praised relentlessly about how brilliant their transfer model is, now it's like revolutionising how teams should operate. Let him leave for £1 million. Was there any add-ons and stuff included with that? Oh, there was a sell-on clause, but come on. Like, yeah. You, yeah. Even they at that time didn't think he was this good, otherwise they'd have kept him and used him, surely. But yeah. Potter was there, remember. You know, like, They're going to be know. gutted, and they? they see him doing what he's doing now. Yeah. It depends how clever the sell-on fee is, because if it's like a percent of every time, because sometimes they even go, he's gone from Coventry now, obviously, but they might still have an active sell-on clause of that, that continues. Yeah, like if a double sell-on clause. Yeah, every time he's sold, they get a certain percent of that. Would be it depends uh, how sensible they put in. Would be interesting if uh, Sporting get Brighton now in the Europa League in the next round if they go through. It's because a hat trick. Yeah, it'd be good. <laughs> Anyway, let's end it there. So thanks, lads, for both coming on. I know it's a bit longer one, but it's a little bit more few and far between. There's a little bit more to discuss every week, I guess, at the moment. So thanks, as always, for uh, watching. Let us know in the comments um, what you thought about everything we discussed today. Do you see us picking up more results going into these less difficult fixtures? I think every fixture in the Championship is difficult, but they're not in the top six, so they've got to count for something in terms of um, your chances. Uh, so let us know what you think we will get on how you think we will get on in the coming games and if we can turn around our poor form to sort of head up the table rather than potentially face a relegation battle and we shall see you in the next video so thanks again and see you later see you soon bye this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans